0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the United States women's national team roster announced for the pair of Australia friendlies coming up in November. We're going to chat a little bit about San Diego FC. With their new name as Wave Football Club, CBS Sports and Paramount Plus partnership with Barclays FA Women's Super League and the return of our mailbag segment. But before we get into all that, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. You can also head on over to our YouTube page and hit subscribe so that you never miss a new video interview or whenever we go live. Plus, you can catch great extended highlights of NWSL matches and more. Head on over to youtube.com/slash attacking third. I'm excited for this episode, Lisa. We got a lot of different things to get into. How are you today?
0: I'm good. You're you're right. There's so much meat in today's episode. Uh, Lots of meat, lots of potatoes. I'm pumped to get into it because I'm starving for all of this news. Sandra, how are you in this beautiful fall week? We have.
1: I'm excited. I'm I'm in good spirits. I'm in good energy. You know, in between all of this, it's still NWSL playoffs. There's like up to the semifinals that are gonna. You know, going to be taking place, and we've got so much content for all of our listeners and, and the audience out there who are uh, keeping up to up to date with all of the playoff action. But today is going to be centering in on some national team news and some other fun things that we have going on over at CBS Sports and Paramount+. Plus. So let's get into it first, a playoff plug, because that is what we are keeping our energy with right now. And the playoffs will continue with the semifinals on Sunday, November the 14th. It will be OL Rain versus Washington Spirit. Number two taking on number three at 3 p.m. Eastern. Portland Thorns FC taking on Chicago Red Stars. It'll be number one versus the number four seed. All of these matches can be viewed on CBS Sports Network and that the winner of these two semifinals will go on into the championship, which will be on November 20th at Lynn Family Stadium in Louisville, Kentucky at 12 noon Eastern time on CBS. So get your tickets at nwslsoccer.com slash championship. Lisa, something that's happening right after that NWSL championship. And we heard about it because there was some press conference with a uh, Vlatko Andonovski upon the announcement of this United States Women's National Team roster. These games are going to be taking place right after that. So whoever is involved in these in these national team camps will be heading out right right after the uh right after the championship concludes but at the end of november in australia the united states women's national team is going to be participating in two friendlies it'll be taking place on november the 26th at 11 p.m eastern time and then on november 30th uh at 805 local time 405 a.m eastern time so huge huge gap in times it's it's definitely like oh yes 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 this these games are being played in australia when you just look at those times specifically so it's like one is going to be 11 p.m the other one's going to be 4 a.m it's a it's a ride it's a ride for sure uh let's take a look at 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 this this united states women's national team roster because i'm really excited for us to sort of react to it i know we were excited when we when we saw the names dropping here For goalkeepers, we've got Bella Bixby, Jane Campbell, Casey Murphy. The defending core is Alana Cook, Abby Dahlkemper, Turner Davidson, Emily Fox, Sophia Huerta, Becky Sauerbrunn, Emily Sonnet. Midfielders are Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Katerina Macario, Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan. And the forward core is Bethany Balser, Ashley Hatch, Margaret Purse, Sophia Smith, Lynn Williams, and Morgan Weaver. It is a bit of rotation, which is putting it nicely, Lisa. We're talking about coming off of these September and October windows, which really featured uh, an Olymp- a Tokyo Olympic heavy roster, right? For those two games, sort of post uh, celebration tour of the bronze medal, the, the farewell matches for Carly Boyd and upon her retirement. And now here we are, these matches were essentially up in the air, Lisa. They were a little bit undetermined because they were going to be matches taking place in Australia, but then all of a sudden, all the protocols got put into place and the roster got announced. What were some of your reactions when you were taking a look at these names?
0: So many new names. I know you just ran through that list, but um, this I, I was very pleasantly surprised um, to see the, the names on this roster. Clearly, Black is looking ahead to the future. Um, and clearly he's paying attention to the NWSL and this regular season, which we always knew he was as a former NWSL coach he he's keyed in on what the league means what it stands for how competitive it is what it means to be successful in this league and how to grow from may until uh, November in this league, and how how it is to get better. So, 21 of the 22 players listed on this Rocco for Vlako Andonovsky are playing in the NWSL. Uh, Kat Macario is the only exception, and we know she plays for Lyon and France, and she's having a fantastic season herself over there. Um, but of those 21 players playing, in the NWSL 17 of those players made the NWSL playoffs. Um so not only are these the players good and he's not just looking at the teams that are in the semifinals or or making the postseason for the NWSL but he's looking at the the roster overall and the league overall. We know that because Emily Fox got called into during the October games as well, a player, a defender for Racing Louisville who has had a fantastic season and Racing Louisville was one of the first two teams out of the playoff race for the NWSL uh, playoffs and postseason. Um, but it, the fun thing about this roster is there are only 10 players still remaining that played in the Tokyo Olympics this past summer. Um, and so many fans and critics, I'm going to say, of this, uh, this roster uh, during the Olympics said how old players were, how they needed fresh young blood. Well, there is nothing to complain about now. Five players are uncapped. 12 of the players have 10 or less caps with the U.S. women's national team. Um, Becky Sauerbrunn is the oldest player on this squad at 36. And There are 21 other players that are 30 or younger. Christy Mewis being one of those other, quote, older ones who sits at age 30 on this roster. So that's those are the things that I'm personally keyed in on. Um, Under 25, there are 10 players that are under the age of 25. So the average age of this team is 25.6 heading into these Australia matches. That's a very 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 young team when the average age was over 30 something for the tokyo olympics this summer um for you sandra when when you read some of these names and and when you look at how many new names there are and how young they are um what do you think vlako is is thinking about when he picks these players hand picks them to compete against australia
1: Well, first, you know, it it excites me. I'm excited to see. I was excited to see when the the roster dropped and to see so many different players involved in this camp and in this particular experience. Like this team doesn't often, uh, you know, get overseas, but they do perhaps more than any other national team if that makes sense. So we saw them go overseas to have a, you know, in an an April window to have a European fixtures against Sweden and against France. And now we're seeing them close out this year going to Australia, but we're not, we're not seeing this in a sort of what does it mean for the next tournament type of scenario? Because the reality is, is that, the next international tournament that's going to be taking place is going to be in 2023. It's going to be the 2023 World Cup. And there's not a there wasn't a lot of time for somebody like Vlek Wondolinowski to sort of get in there and say, hey, I'm going to mix things up because Olympics. No, they pretty much stuck for the most part with players who were familiar with each other, players who had played in that 2019 World Cup. And there's a real opportunity here. We I think we initially assumed that any type of preparation for 2023 was probably going to come within that January camp. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of feels like it's coming sooner. And I love that. I love to, to still be surprised by a team like this Uh, because this is, let's be frank. This is, this is a program that has been at the top, right. For so many years has been competitive for so many decades has won Multiple World Cups has qualified and participated in multiple World Cups. That has always been a feature there. Uh, and the same could be said for for Olympic Games as well. So to be able to sort of get a roster and find yourself pleasantly surprised, I think, is kind of nice, honestly. Uh, we, you know, I, I think there's always that. There was that assumption because those January camps um, typically happen in just before like the she believes cup. And, you know, they tend to be pretty large, you know, versus like a a 20 to 25 player camp. You've got like a 30 to 35 player uh, camp with a lot of other names and a lot of other uh, players who are perhaps either getting invites back in or, or, or new looks, but that's not the case. Um, with this particular roster. So another thing that I'm I'm really excited about is, is that Adonofsky is absolutely viewing it as that he's viewing it yes. as an opportunity. And he's somebody who very clearly wants to get sort of this new era look, this new era wave on, in, in his program under his tenure as, as, as head coach. Uh, but you a really good test to sort of see who is going to be able to handle Pressure, high pressure situations or high level situations are games like this. When you're going overseas, when you are playing in front of not what is considered a home crowd. Right. So these players who are primarily NWSL players who don't have a lot of caps under their belt, who maybe have had some experience with the national team, but not a ton. Even if you're looking at players like Alana Cook, you know, who Mm -hmm. only has two caps, you know, under, uh, under her belt, you know, somebody like Ashley Sanchez who's getting in there for the first time, but has a lot of experience at the youth national team levels. Right. Or even somebody like a Margaret purse who's who only has seven caps under her belt as well. Right. So these are, these are players who are going to be getting this opportunity to either a show why they should still be considered as part of the fold or B sort of introduce themselves as new players who should be considered Overall. And also the fact that there are some players on this roster that have zero caps, right? Uh, zero goals to their names. It's, it's impressive. It's exciting.
0: It is so exciting to see that the future, honestly, is here. And I'm really glad we don't have to wait until that January camp for Black Code to to kind of get a look inside his brain at who he's been watching. Um, I want to dive into these categories a little bit with you, Sandra, and pick your brain on them because goalkeeper position is... Um, It's Jane Campbell is the only one that's, that's really been there before. It's Bella Bigsby with the Portland Thorns and Casey Murphy with North Carolina courage, which, um, we've talked about these players specifically, most recently Casey Murphy with the courage and how well she's done, uh, 13 shutouts on the season for North Carolina, which is huge. She broke her single season record, uh, hitting that, that landmark and everything, but, uh, the fun fact about these two players, what is it? That it's the first time the U.S. women's national team has had two goalkeepers on the same roster that are over six over feet. Six feet yeah. <laughs> like, that's such a fun fact. I love that. I love that U.S. Soccer Federation puts out some of these crazy fun facts. But I think that's a position that um, to have a lot of depth and growth at at, at this level is huge to see um so Jane Campbell still there in that line um what what else for you really stood out when you looked line by line defenders goalkeepers midfield forwards at this roster um I just started with the goalkeepers because they're at the top of my list but for you what stood out
1: yeah no similarly I, I was I was hyped to see Bixby and, and Murphy get those get those call into camps I mean Murphy what she did this season was unbelievable we just witnessed that that quarterfinal, it was in, unbelievable uh, performance that she put out there for, for North, for North Carolina. And also like maybe a little unsurprising, honestly, you know, Vlad Kondinowski is, he coached her for a little bit when he was with mm-hmm. the rain. So he has familiarity with this player and, and who she is and what she can, can bring and has very clearly noticed the, her continued development. Right. And he alluded to the fact, in, to that fact in his press conference that that is why she is a uh, part of this, um, this, this, this core roster, but I think the most, one of the other things that sort of stood out to me was the fact that when this forward core was announced, Margaret Purse was a part of that forward core. She was not listed as a defender, uh, not as uh, you know, what people would have assumed was going to be a fullback. And honestly, that was delightful to see that for me. I I know you and I have have come on this podcast and we are both fans of, of watching in that forward position, she was very clearly such an integral part of that attack for New Jersey, New York Gotham FC during their season. Uh, which, you know, which ended with that loss in, in the quarterfinal. But she was doing it for them higher up the field. Even though there was some moments at her arrival to Gotham FC where she was being utilized on the back line, mm-hmm. utilized as an outside back under, uh, under Freya Kuhn at the time and then eventually pushed higher a little bit. But once she made her return from injury uh, you know, in, in September with this Gotham team, they just looked like a completely different team with her on the pitch, higher up the field involved in the attack. And so I am very excited to see what she could possibly bring, what kind of looks are they going to use? And that was something that, you know, I asked Black Odenofsky in the press conference, you know, along with sort of maybe, you know, talking a little bit about the names that aren't there is like in bringing in so many new players, is, the, is there a possibility that we are po- going to potentially see some different things tactically? And he didn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily say that like hundred percent, yes, that they will be rolling out an entire new system, but that he absolutely wants to see some different tactical looks based on some of the personnel that he has invited into these camps. So I am excited uh, to see all of that as well.
0: It, I am too. I mean, I don't think that he was ever going to tell you, yes, this is my formation. of am going This is it. I wanted that to happen in the press conference. I wanted him to be like, you know what, Sandra, this is what's going to happen. Of course. No, we got to keep some cards. We got to, wait and chest. we got we to wait and see. Uh, uh, sure. We do. I also think that um, when you look at the the roster a little bit in the midfield, Ashley Sanchez is really the only uh, quote unquote new player that's joining that midfield unit. Um, a lot of names stay still there with Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Kat uh, Macario, Christine Mewis, Andy Sullivan, who has done tremendous and and a fantastic job. Um, interesting though, adding. Ashley Sanchez into that mix, a really young player that I think can add so much to that midfield. Um, it just a different look. That's it. That's all we're asking for. A little spice to shake things up. Um, but yep. Ashley Sanchez, a player that's 22 or so, another really, really young member of the squad. And in the forwards, I mean, Sophia Smith, Morgan Weaver, Bethany Balser, uh, they're all really young players that have proven that they can play and compete at a very high level with all rain, Portland Thorns. Um, it, they're just doing Really a tremendous job, Washington Spirit, even with Ashley Hatch in there, who maybe not one of the youngest in that group, but she's still a younger player uh, when you look at how the roster has traditionally been laid out. Um, Sandra, I think it would be doing a disservice to any of our listeners if we didn't just kind of highlight, circle some of the players that aren't listed on this roster. Um, Kristen Press has opted out again. She and Crystal Dunn opted out in October camp. So Crystal Dunn is not on this roster. Kristen Press, um, there's no Tobin Heath, again, who continues to play overseas. Um, no Megan Rapino, no Alex Morgan, no Carly Lloyd, of course, because of that. Uh, a few others there as well. Kelly O'Hara, um, who is not on this list. Um, Mallory Pugh, Trinity Rodman. We have maybe some insight on on those players and everything, but it's really a young, new look. And it's not to say that those players that are not on this roster won't be there in the future. It's just something different that Black Wadonofsky is trying.
1: Yeah, and I like it, honestly. I I think uh, it's it's going to be a real test and and opportunity for these type of players to sort of get in there. It's one thing to sort of get into, I think, a January camp and you're surrounded by a ton of people and maybe there's not the same expectation as preparing for like an actual match, a, a pair of friendlies like this, but that's not the case. In, in this one. Like they're they're going overseas to another country. They're gonna be playing on a field that is not their home turf, right? There's all of those scenarios that, that come into play. So I'm excited uh for 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 that angle but it also makes sense in that the players that are not a part of it there's a like you the players that you've mentioned already who have already sort of um previously said in the past that they are like going to put a pause on the rest of this season especially in games like this that aren't necessarily in preparation for anything in particular um and sort of obviously preparing for e- either a playoff right Megan Rapinoe one of the other players who's got a pl- a playoff uh to to sort of prepare uh, prepare for um you know, and, and and Crystal Dunn sort of also alluding to the to the past about um you know, wanting to to, to put a pause on things and, and having to go back and forth is too much and Chris impressed with wanting to step away from the actual uh Camps, you know, just, just to sort of put a pause and give her herself some time to focus on her mental health. Now, when you're looking at the young players who aren't a part of this, you know, we had somebody like Amal Pew, who was a part of both of those camps in September and in October, uh, alongside Andy Sullivan, alongside Sophia Smith, players who got brought in by Vlako and Andonovsky because there were still injuries that they were navigating, and also because of their really successful NWSL play. And we're not going to be seeing them. Well, we're not going to be seeing Mal Pugh specifically in this, uh, in this window of time because she is one of those players uh, who opted out. Black O'Andonowski also uh, made mention that Trinity Robin was a player that received an invitation to the camp for Australia's friendlies as well. And she was another player who opted out uh, at this time. Um, there wasn't actually any specific reasoning for that, uh, where somebody like Kelly O'Hara, who was invited to these camps, Opted out due to, to family obligations. People are going to try to connect dots to try to perhaps uh, assume themes, and and that is their prerogative and their right. But there was nothing else really said about that in in the in the press conference at all. And if anything, and andinovski alluded to those January camps as an opportunity for those same players to get back into the mix and get back into training environments with the senior uh, at the senior level.
0: Yeah, so big things to come, of course, um, with Australia and, and competing against that competition and having these players in ahead of the January camp. Um, And ahead of what then is usually the She Believes Cup, but getting these players time and competition against a really good competition in Australia and and the hosts of the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023. So there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of really good options that are to come um, in having the U.S. team. Head all the way to Australia down under to play these games. Uh one of the negatives, East Coast time zone over here, this 4 a.m. start time, this eleven PM match start time, that's a little rough on me. It's giving me like summer Tokyo Olympics oh my God. flashbacks. We need all the hydration and the caffeination this this I the, I November.
1: This, I have the same exact thought and feeling. my brain went to the same exact place. I was like, oh my God. this just so oh, no. the Olympics, yeah, like all over again. Boom. Well we'll see. I think we'll see how we both feel. I know for this for this round, I know t- people have typically looked to us as sort of a um, live post-game reaction. I uh, do not believe that that's something that we're going to be providing for this round of friendlies, but it is. They are two matches that we will be watching and paying attention to and recapping um, for people when when they do uh, happen. But uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for it, I, and I love that it's Australia, like you said, Lisa. You know, this is this is where the World Cup is going to be. You know, it's going to be hosted in 2023. By Australia, by by New Zealand, so maybe this is just a little bit of a taste of what could possibly be required of the United States national team in terms of a preparing for this type of trip, you know, and be participating in games uh, in in that country. You know, this is a this is a country that um, has very strict COVID policies and procedures in place. They are one of the nations that require vaccination status uh, in terms of traveling to the the country. And I'm sure because of that, that was something that had to be discussed or planned adequately for ahead of these friendlies. Um, And I'm sure that that is something that has to stay on their radar as they continue to prepare specifically for Australia New Zealand in 2023, Um, because there's no way of really knowing if that policy will change In the next, let's just say, eighteen months. Um, So it's definitely something to keep an eye on, and uh, we will be doing it here at attacking third. So in the meantime, a fun stat I think to close out this segment for is looking back at this roster, just sort of maybe going through really quickly. And I'm going to do this before we head to break. So many of these players and their caps. There's so many players that have ten or less caps with this national team on this roster. So that includes Bella Bixby. And Casey Murphy as a goalkeeper's with zero. Jane Campbell with seven right caps for the defenders. Alana Cook only with two caps. Uh, there is Emily Fox only with six caps. There's Sophia Huerta with seven caps. Uh, and then for the midfielders, Ashley Sanchez with, with zero, zero. Uh, it's it's going to be Katerine uh, include included because she's got 12 um, under under her belt. Uh, and then for the forwards, Bethany Balser, her first time in these in these uh, in these senior level camps with zero caps right now. Ashley Hatch. Only with uh, with two Margaret Purse even herself even though she's been very very impressive in caps at time with seven caps uh, and then it's Sophia Smith with ten caps and Morgan Weaver with zero as well so it's it's an exciting time it's an exciting roster to take a look at and uh, I will be zero percent shocked if there are people. American audiences waking up super early or staying up super late to take a look at a couple of these games and uh, we'll be excited in following along as well. We are going to take a quick break and we will be back with some um, couple of new segments and the return of our mailbag segment after this quick break. Little wing is now streaming on Paramount plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I tell all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet.
0: Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Plus.
1: New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. Time to set it up. New criminals to catch.
0: Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder.
1: And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, mean, you got it. Welcome to Paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10 9 Central on CBS and streaming on Paramount. Plus. News for CBS Sports and Paramount. They have engaged in a multi-year deal with Barclays FA Women's Super League. CBS Sports is going to become the exclusive U.S. English language rights holder of the Barclays FA Women's Super League. One One of Europe's top soccer leagues. We're very excited. When this news dropped, we were like, yes, this is going to just be more soccer for us to talk about on attacking third, and there will be a ton because matches will be appearing across Paramount Plus and CBS Sports Network, and there's going to be coverage specifically during the 2022 to 2023 and 2023 to 2024 WSL seasons. So CBS Sports will deliver 57 matches during both of those seasons and uh, exclusively during some of those matches. So you can only find them on Paramount Plus or CBS Sports, and we are so excited to start incorporating more Women's Super League action on Attacking Third and CBS Sports. Another fun bit of news that we got to go through today is the new name for San Diego NWSL. They will now be operating as San Diego Wave Football Club. They are the 12th NWSL franchise uh, for the league, and they announced their new name. It was very, very exciting. They are going to be the first club in NWSL to utilize the Spanish translation of football in their actual club name. Club president Joe Ellis joined us on Attacking Third to discuss it. It was a delightful interview. You can catch it on YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. So a lot of exciting things with Wave FC entering and now Casey Current in the in the works. Is there going to be a water bowl? Is there going to be a better name for that? We'll see. But it was a it was a delightful chat and it was lovely to have Joe Ellis on the show talking all about those things. And uh, once again, people can find it. All over the place. You can find it on YouTube if you like video. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you catch your shows.
0: And another bit of breaking news that we have to talk about is you're you're just running through all this news, and I love it so much because there is a lot that we need to inform all of our listeners about. So so take a deep breath, Sandra. You're doing great.
1: (laughs) This is a big one. This is a big one. I'm excited to get to this one. Portland Thorns hire new head coach. So via reporting from Megaline Hannah, the Athletic, Mark Parsons will be making his exit as announced earlier in 2021 in the season that he will be leaving at the conclusion of the 2021 season to head on off and coach Netherlands women's national team. And according to this new update, Ryan Wilkinson, the former Canadian international will be replacing Mark Parsons as Thorns head coach, so a little bit of a, a little bit of a news dump happening for our listeners today. Some that we wanted to keep you on the form about, something you might have heard about already, uh, but probably the newest bit of this, Lisa, is this Portland Thorns head coaching announcement, and it comes right on the heels of, of their announcement of a new general manager with Karina LeBlanc. So that is two former players and two. Canadian internationals that are in some pretty big uh, positions for Portland Thorns here.
0: It was announced by Mark Parsons uh, really, really early on during this season for NWSL, like late in, in May. So right at the start of this regular season that he would be departing the club after, um, after this regular season, he was going to finish it out and then go, coach at the international level for the Netherlands, which was huge. All of the players were really excited for him. All of the fans um, uh, of Portland fans of the league, because they know how well, uh, Mark Parsons has done with Portland and been able to grow that club and everything that they've done there. Um, and now it's, it's kind of been a bit of a secret throughout the league and, and fans have been asking us even who's going to be the new coach. There's been a lot of turnover. Finally, it's announced and it is out there. Um, thanks to Meg for doing all of the great reporting and investigative journalism to, to get this and get to the bottom of it, because I've been wanting to know who's going to step into this role um, because that those are really big shoes to fill that Mark Parsons has done such a fantastic job with the Thorns and his, his trademark and the club's trademark is really finding these young players, bringing them into the system, um, similar to how MLS does it. They have these youth uh, grassroots programs that bring up these homegrown players. Um, and that's what Portland Thorns is really one of the only NWSL clubs to actually do that and to have youth programs um, to grow these players. So Mark Parsons was a really, really big part of that. Now welcoming in Rain Wilkinson. Um, she's a, a player that has been around the game forever. Canadian international um, in January of 21, she took a position um, as the England uh, part of the England Women's national team coaching staff role. Uh, she was part of the Canadian international coaching squad as an assistant coach for a bit. Um, now coming coming back to the states and playing or coaching at Portland, that's a really big role. But it's so great to see a a female stepping into this coaching position and this coaching role, um, and a former player as well. And standing alongside Karina LeBlanc, that's like a Canadian powerhouse there in in the office chairs between Wilkinson and LeBlanc for sure, for sure. So uh, a good good hire. I'm excited to see what Rain Wilkinson can do with Portland Thorns, but. Man, big shoes to fill. Shield winners, uh, number one in the standings throughout this regular season. It's We've seen quick turnover in other coaching positions with NWSL clubs, and they make it work. They do a great job. You look at Laura Harvey, who did a fantastic job with O.L. Reign, coming into the role in the middle of a season. Um, so bright future, hopefully ahead for for Portland. But definitely breaking news in the NWSL.
1: Yeah, uh, according to some of the reporting, that uh, essentially the original candidate list had over 10 names on it, uh, and I guess Wilkinson ended up sort of locking up the the, the coaching position. So there are plans to uh, make a more formal announcement, obviously via the club uh, towards the end of the season, because that was, I think, always that that was always the plan, right? They said that that was always the plan that Mark Parsons was going to stay on uh through twenty twenty one and then anything that would be happening regarding that position will take place after his his departure. But you're hundred percent correct. That's that's huge, huge shoes uh to fill. Even if you're just looking at this season alone uh for the Thorns and everything that this team has sort of gone through because right now this team is the, the winningest team in 2021. They have literally won as of right now, every single thing that could have been won this year in front of them. They went into the challenge cup and and walked away as challenge cup champions for 2021. They participated in the women's ICC tournament and lifted the trophy there. And towards the end of the regular season, they secured the NWSL 2021 shield. And now they are going to be participating in the 2021 semifinals with a chance to compete for the ever-coveted NWSL championship title. So huge, huge shoes to fill. Um, but, you know, we, we will see. Obviously, we heard similarly when we had conversations with Karina LeBlanc that one of the big things that uh, could potentially benefit these type of hires and these roles are the fact they are former players,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that there is a bit of uh, a learning curve that doesn't have to take place. You don't have to have that sort of getting that transitional period of maybe getting settled in, in terms of being able to build relationships and connect uh, perhaps with players, because these are candidates that have been there. So we heard Karina Lalong talk a lot about that, about that. Being in this sort of GM role and having the experience of a former player and having gone through what perhaps feels like the lowest of lows at times and even the highest of highs at times and how that could be very, very beneficial. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like, uh, you know, Wilkinson maybe echoes something similarly because this is somebody who had a very long career of her own, both internationally with the Canadian women's national team and at the club level, you know, playing in NWSL during what we know now is some really tough times. Uh, that inaugural also season of, of, of 2013 and stretching over those early years of the past decade uh, were some real adjustment and some real transitional periods and these are players who were there during that time. So um, you know we'll have more on that and, and all of this as, as it continues to uh, develop, but we definitely wanted to include that as part of this segment uh, today ahead of our mailbag segment. But that was all the news, Lisa. So now it's time to
0: answer some questions. Are you ready? I am so ready. So much news to whip through, but exciting times and exciting things happening um, in the world of soccer. Just happy to be here chatting it with you, Sandra. Right on. Let's do this. Listeners, we
1: love hearing from you. We love answering questions when you leave them for us. If you are unfamiliar with our mailbag segment, if you have a question, if you have a topic, you gotta leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. And you gotta leave your question and your topic. And Lisa and I will answer it as part of our mailbag segment. And we are so delighted to get into this segment because this was such a United States women's national team heavy episode with the roster announcement and everything. And we were so grateful that so many of you dropped some United States women's national team questions. So let's hop into it. Eraser Grace asks, why is the United States women's national team swimming in midfielders and forwards, but it seems like having trouble with the left back position? Is that a traditional position that players don't develop in? And I think maybe we could take this in in two parts, right? Because it was a little bit of a two-part question. Lisa, it's why is the United States women's national team swimming in midfielders and or forwards, but having trouble with the, the left back position? And I might even expand that a little bit to like defensive positions. And I'm yeah. just gonna say it's because we're Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna blame, I'm gonna blame it on the United States. There's just something about, um, and Lisa, you could probably attest to this as well. To having you know growing up and playing soccer and stuff, it's like for whatever reason there is just always this emphasis on on, on getting on the ball, getting behind it, and just going a goal. Just so many times you hear a lot of the coaching or lack of direction and it's just like, you know what, you're going to get out there and you're going to run. And a lot of it is tied to that. And sometimes, quite frankly, it has worked (laughs) even at the highest level. We've seen the senior national team be be praised for what their athleticism, their physicality on the ball and their ability to have a relentless engine. Mm Because of their fitness, right? <clears throat> Versus other other national teams representing different styles tactically across the globe, are you know referred to and uh, talked about in different ways in terms of their 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 soccer. So, for the United States. That's just something that, that starts, I think, at the youth level, quite frankly. That's
0: a lot of where it starts, right, Lisa? I agree with that, Sandra. I mean, when you think about the the glory and the praise and the spotlight that gets shown on the game of soccer, it's who's ever scoring the goals. No one wants to be the goalkeeper when you're a little kid, um, but it's, it's who's getting the goals, not even really who's getting the assists, And that starts from a very, very young age in the game of soccer. Um, and then when you look at backs – Traditionally, I mean, so I was a back. I was actually a left back in college, a right footed left back, Um, but I was an outside back for years. I started as a very little kid as a forward. And then I think when I was like, 10 or 12, they were like, okay, no, you're going to play defense. Now you're not scoring enough goals. We're going to put you in the back, which we actually see that a lot in, uh, especially in American soccer. Um, even you look at a player like Sofia Huerta, who was an outside forward type player, and then you bring them on the back and they can still have the opportunity to get forward and send crosses in, but, um, it's a bit more of a defensive mindset position. Um, so I would say that it's, it's, a little bit hard to develop players in those positions when we're taught and the the glory and so much of the praise goes to the goal scorers on a team because good players, even at a young age, they want the ball and they want to score. I mean, even now I still want to play the ball. When I still play pickup, I try to play attacking center mid, <laughs> not defense because I don't want to defend anymore. I want to score all the goals. Yeah. Um, so I think that is a mindset that comes into it. And I'm going to also argue and say that we're going to see a lot more defenders coming into the US national team mix. I mean, we already talked about it before with Emily Fox slotting into that outside back position. She's a tremendous role there. I mean, we've seen Crystal Dunn who can do it and can play there, but um I personally would like to see her a little higher up the field. Alana Cook is slotting into that back line. We have Casey Krueger. There's a lot of players in the mix that can play in the back, but um I think the future for the US women's national team the formation it's going to look a little bit different so we'll circle back to this maybe come the world cup and and we'll see how our progression of outside left back specifically is doing at the national level. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it just sort of just seems like that's how it kind of falls into it. and then it sort of trickles yeah. into something like the national team the senior national team level. And then you sort of said like like the question this phrase why is it why is the team swimming in midfielders and forwards and then It sort of becomes this thing where it's like, well, these are some of the best Mm -hmm. players. And it comes into this scenario of like, how do we get them all on the pitch at the same time? And we saw it sort of happen with this transition of of Crystal Dunn as a high attacking octane player. Right. And then pushed back into a left back role because there wasn't a lot of competition brewing Mm -hmm. in those left back positions in terms of what the coaching staff wanted to see at the time. Margaret Burris and her introduction to the national team level, similar vibe, this attacking minded player, they wanted to see how she could do at outside back. And now they're starting to say like, Hey, like she's doing a lot of great stuff at at forward. We're going to bring her in again, but this time it's forward. So there's a, there's a lot of back and forth that, that, that goes, goes back uh, with all of this stuff.
0: You also have to take into account during a 90 minute match, there's only so many substitution windows and only so so many substitutes that a team gets per game. Um, Most traditionally, it's the forwards that get rotated first. Um, They're the ones that you want to be the quickest and the fastest and the most fresh on the field. They can provide different looks in your attack. So on a roster, you need to have a little bit more depth at that position, knowing that you're going to rotate those substitutes a little bit more frequently on the pitch. And then it becomes the midfield. And defenders and goalkeepers, very rarely, if ever, do they get rotated out. Maybe it'll be the outside backs if they're running a lot. But um, I think that also lends into why there's so much more depth at midfield and forward position than in a back position, because you play those players more than you rotate throughout a game than you would the defensive line of a team.
1: I love to see it. It's something that's, that's been not uncommon for the United States women's national team. Uh, I don't know if this is perhaps the, the signaling, right. Of maybe a new transition where, Maybe we will start to see players develop more specifically in that outside back role position. But we've yet to see it happen because of how this is sort of how it's been for for so long. I mean, Lori Kolovny, a legend of the game, a 2015 World Cup champion, uh, earned that at the left back position. But she was primarily a defensive mid for a team like the Chicago Red Stars. So it's just something that has Really, I think when you're almost thinking of like the culture of the United States women's national team, that's sort of in, been ingrained in that. But uh, maybe perhaps we are witnessing a, a new and, and different era. And I hope uh, that we are. Let's move on to this next one. This is from Beth underscore Nick and I. have learned a lot about the game and it's been super entertaining. I love the player interview. Sandra and Lisa are a treat. question which players do you think are going to California next year? Several teams have more allocated players than they can protect. I'm curious if you have any predictions, Lisa, I can't wait to hear what you got to say on this one.
0: I'm in California. I love this. I love the predictions. If you don't know how the draft works, we talked about it in last week's mailbag segment. Go find it. It's it's in our podcast feed and it's on YouTube all about how the draft works, allocated players, protecting players, discovery players, all of that. This is such a fun question. I think it's a really tricky question for us to answer at this point in time still with the regular season happening. Um uh, uh knowing that there are new coaches happening between LA and San Diego, the wave and Angel City, as as we like to call them now that San Diego has a, a name, Wave FC, um, it's hard to know what kind of style and personnel and player and foundation that those teams want to have for what types of players will go there. We already know Kristen Press is at Angel City. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a player like Alex Morgan head over to L.A., even San Diego try to get in that California mix of players, um, but it's it's tricky to know who's going to go based on not only what teams what players, teams protect in the draft, but also what type of player you're looking to get, because there are a lot of different styles of players out there. If you're going to look to go really direct a lot, you're going to want to look for a lot of fast forwards uh, that can get in behind. But if you're going to want to hold up play and maybe you're looking for more of a nine that plays similar to Lee, to the way that Carly Lloyd plays with her back to goal, Sidney LaRue receiving the ball at her feet, dropping it back into the midfield. It all comes down to how these teams want to define their playing style. Uh, but that's I, that's kind of where I am with this. Sandra, do you have any predictions? Anyone you think will head over to California? Absolutely
1: not. Listen, this is the first time there's going to be two teams entering the league at once. The rules for the expansion draft have already been altered a little bit. They're different compared to years le- uh, past. And um, I'm just as excited and eager to sort of see how things will unfold. I'm sure maybe we might have a better outlook on what coaches could be looking for. Uh, We have some things in the works on hopefully getting some of California's new coaches uh, on the podcast and talking about that a little bit. And when you sort of have a better understanding of of what perhaps the coaches and the general managers are trying to build with these new franchises, uh, then maybe you have a different outlook of or what they're looking for and bringing in there, but there's only going to be nine selections, right? Yeah. In terms of of of, of what these uh, two teams and who they can bring on. So there are uh, ten teams uh, in 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 the league, but uh, there was a move that was made between Angel City and Louisville, so Angel City will only be selecting from nine clubs because logo will not be, they have roster protection. And then in San Diego, I'm sure as, as the expansion draft comes closer, they will also be listening to offers and opportunities. So it's, it's, it's really like what can happen, but you know, we saw California kid and in Christian press already go to angel city. So I'm looking for any Cali connections there. Uh, you know, maybe people might think, why do you want to bring a, like a 30 plus year old forward and like build your team around that. But you realize it's Kristen press. And then maybe that could, the same argument could echo for somebody like an Alex Morgan, who knows, you Mm -hmm. know, they have, they have the opportunity. So it just is, it's going to be interesting to see teams with allocated players who they protect or who they leave off. Right. And what those expansion teams actually want to take. So. Uh, let's, uh, close it out with maybe, uh, this final question. It's a world cup question to world cup 2023. It's coming from LF Alexander asking my questions in regard to the world cup 2023, who from the Olympic roster would you give a spot to in 2023? Name your top three defenders, midfielders, and forwards that did not attend the Olympics that you would like to have on your world cup team, man. You know what? I think from the Olympic roster to the world cup, I would like to see Casey Krueger continue her journey uh, with this team in a, in a world cup. Um, I guess I would consider her a top three defender, but you know, they want me to name somebody who didn't go to the Olympics. I
0: was going to say she went to the Olympics and Alexander here is looking for someone that didn't go to the Olympics. I think Emily Fox should yeah. be one of the defenders that's in that list. It's tricky. I'd, like her to,
1: I'd like her to get some more time for sure. Uh you know, to see that I would like to see Sophia where that some more time, yeah. um, you know, just to sort of, we have to see like what Vlad Godinowski is going to roll out with there in terms of midfielders. I, I think we can both agree that Andy Sullivan is, mm-hmm is a top player that we want to see in that midfield mix moving forward and slash permanently, right? She's She's been doing a lot of great stuff with Washington Spirit, and and we've been talking about her, too, all this season. But, you know, somebody like a Morgan Gattrall, you know, get her in there even for, for competition, right, and just to sort of see what that midfielder uh, – what that midfield core can do uh, with a player like her returning – to the mix um, and forwards. I mean, I'm just gonna end it with what I started with. I'm so happy to see Margaret Purse as a forward. Yeah, in this next camp, and I want to see her part of that forward core.
0: I think it's also important to touch on Sophia Smith, the player that's done a lot. Mallory Pugh, but um, yeah, Margaret Purse. Seeing her continue to go forward in in that sense is really, really bright. It's such a bright future. I'll double down on Andy Sullivan in the midfield too, though. She needs to be part of that mix, especially if you have an injury to a player like Julie Ertz or she just can't go 90 minutes anymore because she is dealing with a bit of an injury. You need someone like Andy Sullivan who can seamlessly transition into that defensive six role and and pick up any slack that's in there. I like this question, though. I love that we're looking forward to the future of the national team uh, throughout the entirety of this episode.
1: I love it. Let's look ahead. Playoff plug for everyone. They continue with the semifinals on Sunday. Oil Rain versus Washington Spirit. Number two versus number three. Portland Thorns FC hosting Chicago Red Stars. Number one, taking on the number four seed. You can catch all of these games on CBS Sports Network followed by the championship final, which will be on November 20th at Lynn Family Stadium in Louisville, Kentucky at 12 noon Eastern time, which will air on CBS. Get your tickets at nwslsoccer.com championship. We want to thank everybody for listening. As always, thank you for your questions. Follow us on Twitter at Attacking3rd. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your shows. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question and we'll answer it during our mailbag segment. We're also available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash attack third. And we will be back with more semifinal interviews. We've got so much in the works for you. We'll be back with a semifinal preview. Everybody stay tuned. to so This was a
0: Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.